2: deadline on oak street mile 3 welcome
0: to the housing market i'm with redfin and i'm here to help i need to sell my house great redfin charges a one percent listing fee when you buy and sell with us which is more than half off the usual fee and saves you an average of 8400 oh wow is that all uh yep i'm kidding you had me at one percent want to win sell with redfin it's real estate done right bidding war the offer's counter in five minutes average
2: savings is redfin refund plus one percent listing fee subject to minimums not available in all areas learn more at redfin.com
1: the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Over the line, or close it, he's in. A backhand and a slam by Tony Esposito. Stan McKee, was a small guy, very cocky in those days. A right hand by Magnuson, and he wouldn't Magnuson trying to tear his hair out. NBC Chicago's James Navo. picked out a man. Odyssey, Chicago Hockey Insider, Jay Zawaski. No more! Hawks win! Hawks win again! Chris Jelios in overtime! Part of Blue Wire Podcast. He lost the boards, he shoots, he's going down to the tames! A game-winning goal! The Hawks live to fight another day! Ball and back, so the drive, skeptic to the The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Chicago's going to be in last place forever. Center for Triple Threat Sports, Fry the Coop, and by the sins law Group, Let's Drop the Puck.
2: Welcome in, Blackhawks fans. This is the <laughs> Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We've had a really remarkable run lately of choosing the absolute worst games to talk about, and tonight's game was a clunker. The Blackhawks lose to the Minnesota Wild. This isn't just a post game show, however. There is a ton of Blackhawks news, ton of reporting we need to get to, so we're going to get into all of that. I am James Naveau from NBC Five. With me, of course, is Jay Zawoski of Odyssey, of WBBM, of the I'm Fat Podcast, the Yoda of food, <laughs> according to a uh, friend of the show, Sean Marquez. Um, I liked that a lot. I thought he meant Yogi of food because it auto-corrected to Yoga of yeah, food. I got but it. Right I do away. like you. I, I like Yoda. That's yeah. good stuff.
3: I'll take that. That's a good compliment to have. New I'm Fat hey, podcast bro. coming out Monday, as it does every week. Make sure you check that out. But yeah, it's uh, I like to. I'm a food Sherpa. Is probably the right way to say it.
2: That's a, I like that a lot, and you have never steered me wrong in the food department, and I hope that someday I get to return the favor. But speaking of right direction, the Blackhawks are not going <laughs> in that right direction. Just a not a fun game. They lost 5-1 to one to the Wild tonight. You could look at the advanced metrics of the game and shows pretty even split down the middle in terms of possession. Don't let that bully you. The Blackhawks did not look great tonight. It was not their best effort. Their first regulation loss in two weeks, but just more of the same that we've been seeing from the Blackhawks lately. Just not scoring enough, allowing way too many good opportunities. Marc-Andre Fleury got pulled tonight. A bunch of guys got banged up tonight. Just a really bummer night at the United Center.
3: Yeah, if there's one thing that if you're if you're farting around a natural stat trick while you listen to us, check out that heat map, man. It is oh. very, very cold by the Minnesota Wild net. And we're going to get into all of it, but thanks as always for joining us. We are on uh, Facebook at Madhouse Hockey Pod. We're on Twitter at Madhouse Pod. Instagram Madhouse underscore Pod. I know they're all different, and I know it's very frustrating. But there's another Madhouse podcast that's like prank phone calls or something, and I don't know <laughs> if it's even active anymore. But I can't get in contact with these people to get the handle to match. So I'm really sorry about that. But check out our T Public sale, our T Public shop. The link is in our bio. What else we got to talk about? I think that's it, right? We got our Patreon. Uh, so make sure you check that out as well. That's Buy pa- stuff,
2: give money.
3: Yeah, patreon.com slash madhousepod. So yeah, James said it. Hawks lose 5-1. We're going to get into the game, of course. Frank Saravelli of the Daily Faceoff had a lot to say about the Hawks on the Halford and Bruff podcast. Uh, so we're going to share that with you as well. So a ton to get to. Oh, and we also appealed for some listener emails. We haven't done that in a long time. So we're going to spend the second half of the podcast answering some of your uh questions from Twitter and from the email. If you ever want to email us madhousepod at gmail.com. So let's start with this game. And and look, this right away, you know, you're down to nothing before like most people are in the seats. 407 into the game, you're down nothing, uh to nothing. And when that happens. More often than not, that's a game where you're just like, it's one of these nights. You yep. also had Seth Jones almost die, <laughs> like just <laughs> slamming into the boards after uh, Felino tripped him. Mm-hmm. And then he gets hit in the arm and his arm like goes numb. And Seth Jones like can't move. But he did like the controller dying thing. He got hit with a puck in the shoulder and had no feeling in his arm. So he couldn't defend and I think he was trying to get a whistle, and it just never came. And then it's two nothing, Ryan Hartman with his seventeenth goal of the year. And then Boy,
1: he'd look
2: good in a Blackhawks sweater. Right oh, about you know now. what? I'm not right now. Yes, I'm not he mad about it. It just, man, that stinks that he went somewhere else and just is lighting it up. Yeah, like, that stinks.
3: I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's for him. But look, no one when Ryan Hartman left was mad.
2: <laughs> nope. No, 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 you know, no. it, yeah. it, it would have been like saying like, oh, I'm so pissed Vinny Henestrosa is not a Blackhawk right now. Like it just it stinks that he's it's great for him, of course, and great for the Minnesota Wild and Ryan Hartman's a good dude. But yeah, I wish you would have done that when he was here, man. That oh, that would have been great. Yeah, that would have yeah. been good. M- mildly. Yeah.
3: But here. So here's my thing. Like this is one of those games, right? It just got away from you early and it's really hard to come back from that. Especially against a good team like the Wild. But what we saw in this game, and I mentioned the heat map, how passive are the Blackhawks all the time? Dude, there was a point in the third period. Where Jake McCabe had like a one-on-one with the goalie, yep, and try and try to just like dish the pass into the center of the ice. Jonathan Taves did it, and, and yep. Eddie O'Callan, Kirby out on Doc, it. Like,
2: literally did it. The next trip down the ice after that Jake McCabe play that you're yeah,
3: guys, just get to. It, it's not complicated. Look at like pretty much every goal the Wild scored in this game was scored in close, like a redirection, like Ryan Hartman's first goal hit the post and hit Flurry in the back and went in. Like, yep. they don't have to be highlight real goals. And I think when a team is, and we've seen this with the Hawks forever, including when they were good, when they start to get frustrated, they try to make the perfect play all the time. And that's what was happening in this game. When you're down 2 nothing four minutes into the game, just start throwing pucks on net and getting bodies there and hope for the best. They, they did the opposite in this game. And that, to me, more than anything, is what frustrates me. There's going to be nights like this where things just yeah. don't go your way. But when it's it's a passive approach from puck drop to final horn, that to me pisses me off. And that's really frustrating.
2: I, I would like to take this opportunity to mention that during the game, I occasionally will uh, DM Jay on Twitter, just like random <laughs> observations. Yes. And when the uh, Kirby doc play happened right after the Jake McCabe passed, I said one more pass across the front of the goal mouth that gets broken up like it's so frustrating watching them just kind of no i want to pass the putt just shoot it yeah. they're literally playing you to pass the puck that's all they were doing the entire third period and the blackhawks just kept feeding right into it and you mentioned the heat map on natural stat trick the wild dark blue spot right in front of the net could have smelled mark-andre Fleury's cologne on most of their good <laughs> opportunities in this game the blackhawks look like they were allergic to the goal crease all of their heat zones the, the really high traffic areas All by the blue line. You're not going to score a ton of goals from out there, especially when you lose a defenseman in Riley Stillman who got injured during the game. And you also had Seth Jones get kind of banged up during the game as well, and he probably was not at 100% during the game. That's not the area of the ice you're going to be scoring on. And to top it all off, Capo Cacanon, no relation to Capo Kakako, by the way. I checked on that. (laughs) He was stopping everything. And it's so frustrating watching the Blackhawks try for all these pretty plays and just firing the puck from 100 feet out. And they're just not getting to the areas that they need to get to. And it's super frustrating, and it was a kind of a hallmark of Derek King when he came in. He kind of simplified some stuff for the Blackhawks, or that was kind of his M.O., and it just seems like they're falling right back into these patterns of pretty play, pretty play, and nothing good comes of it. And I know this is kind of weird to be complaining this much about a team who this was their first regulation loss in two weeks, but, man, was it frustrating tonight. They're just not doing the things that they need to do to win at all.
3: Yep. Uh, so here's here's the uh, you mentioned some injuries. Uh, Derek King after the game tonight said Riley Stillman will not play versus Minnesota and probably will not go on the road trip. So there is a significant injury there. Drew uh, Jarkera, who missed the game with some lower back spasms. That's why he was out. So that's it on the injury front. Um, when we look at the the numbers here in this game and, and again, uh, Charlie Romeliotis just tweeted out the uh, heat map. Which really d- illustrates what this game was. But shot attempts 58-56 for Chicago. Uh, for Minnesota. Shots on goal 36-30 for the Hawks. Uh five on five scoring chances, 24-15 for Minnesota, five on five high danger chances, nine to two for Minnesota. Mm-hmm. The heat map tells the story of this Boy, game. It sure does. And and I want to get back to why this bothers me. Because it is a choice to not go you know, pay the price in front of the net. You are opting to play on the perimeter. You are opting to get the puck back to the point and avoid difficult confrontations in front of the net or in the slot or in the crease or any of those places. The Hawks were passive tonight. And again, if you just lose to a better team and you play your ass off, fine. The Hawks did not play hard tonight. They were passengers no. and
2: and they had, they had four days off. It's not like they were you know worn out from anything. Well,
3: I wonder. I, I I do actually wonder if that's part of it, is that they have not played in so long. I think that that can be a factor sometimes. But look, I saw. <laughs> well,
2: that's about to get resolved very quickly. Yeah,
3: seriously. I saw one guy who was working his ass off in this game, and that was Alex DeBrinket. Alex DeBrinket was okay. doing everything he could do to generate scoring chances and get the puck and save icings and. He is, he's really doing, this is a crazy comparison I never thought I'd make, but the way Alex Dabrinkit is playing right now on all ends of the ice reminds me of prime Jonathan Taves, Mm. where there's no one on the ice working harder on either team. And I'm not saying Taves is not that guy now. He's just lost the step, right? He still, he still plays hard. I think Taves is a guy who gives you what he's got. I just don't know how much he's got anymore, but Dabrinkit's out there every shift trying to, and often making things happen.
2: Dude is going to be 35 years old this year, so I'm uh, thinking Jonathan Taves, if he's lost a step, it's kind of acceptable. I did want to single out one other Blackhawk On the positive side of things, I thought for sure this is the direction you were going, and I'm actually kind of surprised that I'm the one bringing him up and not you. Mm -hmm. Dylan Strome had a really nice game tonight.
3: You're right about that.
2: He was one of their top possession players. It definitely showed on the score sheet as well. He had the Blackhawks' only goal. He was very noticeable in a lot of good ways tonight, and on a night where, offensively, the Blackhawks just were not doing anything that they needed to do to generate really good quality scoring opportunities i really did feel like dylan strome was doing those things and i did like the chemistry that he showed uh, uh with patrick kane in that third period the goal that they scored was really nice even though kakinen was kind of falling over when strome <laughs> scored it that was at least one of those instances it where it was it was a deserved <laughs> goal is what it was yes like that that was hockey karma because dylan strome had earned it like that was a highlight of the game for sure, and I definitely thought this was one of his better efforts of the season. And it's really unfortunate it came on a night when nobody else could really be bothered to do anything, with the exception, of course, as you mentioned, of uh, Alex Debrincat.
3: All right, here's what I'm going to do. All right, this game,
2: trash. By the way, they play the Wild again tomorrow. So yeah, I'm,
3: I'm throwing this one in the trash. I'm sorry that it's <laughs> done. I, I I have nothing more to say about this game. Is one of those games I, 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 it's here for me to poop on. And uh, <laughs> I will do this if, in honor of Les Grobstein. I'll quote the great poets Beavis and Butthead that sucked. And for that, you <laughs> suck. Yes. Oh. Uh, you know who doesn't suck? Ken Simpson, our buddy <laughs> of the Simpson Law Group. After over a decade of prosecuting homicide cases, as an assistant Cook County State's Attorney, Kent opened his own firm over 20 years ago, specializing in all forms of personal injury cases, including injuries as a result of accidents involving cars, trucks, motorcycles. By the way, if that video comes up in your timeline, don't watch it. Bicycles, <laughs> boats, planes, and buses, construction accidents, nursing home abuse, medical negligence and birth injury, slip and fall cases, and injuries as a result of hazardous drugs or products. Look, if someone else's idiocy got you hurt, Kent is your man. Give him a call. 312-332-2107 or visit SinsonLawGroup.com. That's S-I-N-S-O-N LawGroup.com. Call for a free consultation. Again, 312-332-2107. They charge no fees unless they win for you. Don't go offsides. Go top shelf. Call now. All right. Now that we have uh, wiped away the 5-1 loss to the Wild. And we prepare for tomorrow night's Lost to the Wild. <laughs> By the sorry.
2: way, Jay and I are going to the game next Friday against the Avalanche, another thing that we kind of bemoaned a little bit
3: before the show. It'll be fun-ish.
2: Hey, they beat the Blues when we went for the uh, Black Friday game, and we did not think they were going to. That was so. a
3: fun game. Yeah. That was a fun game. So, yeah, maybe, I'm looking forward it to it. Maybe we'll be the good luck charm. Um. All right, let's get to this uh, Frank Cervelli audio. Uh, if you don't know Frank Cervelli from... Uh, the, uh, the daily face off hockey insider who's really over the last year or so has really sort of elevated his game in terms of insidership. Had a lot of things to say about the Blackhawks today on the Halford and, and Brough uh, podcast. So I'm just going to play the audio here and we'll sort of respond in an itemized way uh, when it's over. Again, this is courtesy of the Halford and Bruff podcast. A guy that's routinely been tied to solving the Oilers' goaltending
2: woes is, of course, Marc-Andre Fleury, who's in Chicago, but I I go back to our conversation earlier. Chicago's another one of those teams that doesn't have a full-time general manager. They've got an interim in Kyle Davidson, and he's got some things that he's going to need to figure out if he's the guy in the big chair come trade deadline time. Uh, What are you hearing out of Chicago? Because obviously that is another situation where I think it sounds like they're going to preach patience because they want to make sure they get it right after the Kyle beach scandal and everything that came from the fallout from there.
0: Yeah. I'm pretty sure Kyle Davidson is going to be the guy in the chair, at least at the deadline. I would be surprised if he's not their general manager moving forward. I think they want to set up a structure that includes a president of hockey ops. They may go outside the box, try and bring someone in uh, from a different sort of path. You know, maybe someone with some, uh, other sport experience, they're they're interested in trying something different, uh, and they're willing to, you know, sort of go through the process to see what's out there and what that might or might not look like. So they're doing that. Um, he's the man at the wheel, and I believe he has full autonomy at the moment to make whatever changes that he sees fit. And the guy that I've got circled there, uh, that's going to be a really interesting conversation, is. Alex Brinkett. he's yeah. you know a guy that has just scored at will it seems. Um, has one more year left on his deal at 6.4 million, and then at the end of it is a restricted free agent. Um, but again, 23 goals this season, pretty significant pace that he's playing at. And my sense is the the Blackhawks are, are they know they need to shake things up there. I think the general consensus has been. Kane, Taves, and, and Seth Jones are kind of the three untouchables. And if you'd like to take a run at Alex DeBrinkett, if you'd like to take a run at Kubalik or Brandon Hagel or Ryan Carpenter, go down the list, they are all potentially available. So when it comes to answering the first part of your question about Mark andre Fleury, mm-hmm. he's been mentioned in Edmonton. I don't see it as a fit. He still holds a, a modicum of, of control himself. And I believe the Blackhawks, you know, as they coaxed him back to play this year after that trade that was so surprising, part of the deal, I believe, between the Black, between the Flurry camp and Stan Bowman was, we're not moving you anywhere uh, unless you're comfortable with it. So he's going to be able to call his shot in some ways. And the team that I've had circled for Marc-Andre Flurry is not Edmonton it's not some of these other places that have really needed a high profile goalie. I think it's Colorado. Interesting. Oh, that would be that'd be a good fit. Can yeah. you imagine the, how spicy that would be? Colorado and Vegas meeting in the yeah, West final. That would be terrific, actually. Laner against Flurry. That would
3: be Yeah. Um that's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> But all right, there's a lot to unpack there. So first thing that stood out to me is it sounds like Kyle Davidson, at least according to Frank Ceravelli, it's one guy, but he is he is definitely plugged in. Um, that Davidson is could be the GM going forward with some you know big director of hockey ops above him, which I think that's at least the structure most yeah. Hawks fans want. I know that's what I want. James, I know that's what you want is a hockey guy at the top. You know, to oversee everything and then a GM to do the day-to-day stuff. Um, and I don't really have a problem with if they want to go with Kyle Davidson, fine. I mean, he's had the path that most GM candidates would have. I don't need to rehash some old guy who's done it before. I, you know what I mean? I, I'm I'm fine giving a young guy a thing. What stood out to me is him it sounded like he had someone specific in mind when he said maybe outside of hockey. Hmm. maybe in another sport i wonder who that could be um or i wonder if it's just more of a concept than an actual person at this point theo
2: epstein my friend
3: oh my god that would be you thought it was a big deal when john mcdonough joined the cubs (laughs) or joined the hawks can you imagine i think Theo theo
2: epstein attempting hockey
3: i think theo would either do nfl or he would do politics
2: I I swear he has said repeatedly he doesn't want to do politics, but doesn't it seem like just a completely ideal fit if he does decide to do that?
3: I would think so, yes. Yeah. Anyway,
2: we're not going to get too far in the weeds on that. The, The big thing I had a question about wasn't the Davidson thing specifically cuz I think we've we've speculated that on this podcast yeah. before that the reason that they're going so far into this process is that it does kind of feel like they want to leave Davidson as the GM maybe that's scaring away some candidates to be that president of hockey operations the fact that they won't get to kind of hire their own right-hand man so to speak like I think that that could conceivably be a stumbling block in the interview process. But I also have to question why it's taking so long to hire that president when so many other teams have kind of come up and needed that type of position and have basically filled it quickly or yeah. you know, a lot more quickly than the Blackhawks have. And I'm wondering if that's going to be to their detriment as we approach this trade deadline. I think that's a really fascinating question that I would love to kind of get some insight on from somebody in the Blackhawks, but I can't imagine that they're gonna obviously t- be willing to talk about that right now. Well, that's the thing.
3: Like, the only person to really talk on it would be Jamie Faulkner or Danny Wirtz, And I personally don't have a huge problem with them taking their time they have to get this right they've got to do their due diligence on every candidate they've got to go back and and they got to audit their histories they cannot hire someone and then have something come up of well you know five years ago this person was accused of this and like they have to be pitch perfect on this hire uh it's i mean specifically for the hockey ops thing and for me if you're going that route you can suggest kyle Davidson stay. But you you, can't, I don't you can't think you insist. can mandate it. No, you absolutely cannot insist. You, and, and you got to say, look, we're, we're happy with what he's doing. He's here's why we think he's qualified. So please give him consideration. Mm-hmm. But to say, if you take this job as president of hockey ops, you have to keep Kyle Davidson as your GM. That's foolish. And I, I don't I have no indication that that's actually happening. Um, I sure. just feel like what's happening is the Hawks are really taking their time and might not make this call until the off season, um, which to me is a little bit longer than I'd prefer. But I, as long as they well, get if you're not right. going to
2: hire him before the trade deadline, there's no reason to, you know, make the decision then until the season is over.
3: Right. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, that, I, I just, that
2: was kind of my question is you, you do need to kind of pick a lane and it, you're not going to make a ton of deadline moves of like kind of the pillar type guys, I don't think. I know you've spoken about that before, where you would think that a big-time trade involving a Patrick Kane or even a, an Alex DeBrincat would probably be more likely to happen in the off season. I can't imagine a scenario where I would feel comfortable with Kyle Davidson being empowered to trade away Alex DeBrincat in season without a presidents of hockey ops in place that to me is a franchise shifting decision that a president of hockey operations needs to be a part of
3: I let's let's take this next part of the conversation then because to me if there is an untouchable it's Alex to bring it I I can't imagine I mean if they think they're going to get some set of some sort of franchise altering Return for Alex Debrinket. I don't know what that looks like. Yeah. I don't know, you know, like what kind of a deal is that? Is it multiple first round picks? Okay, but what are the odds one of them turns into a potential 50 goal guy? I just, <clears throat> Debrinket should be, he's your next captain. He's the face of your franchise for the next decade. I, what is mm-hmm. the, I don't understand where these analysts are saying, like, well, you know, he's got a contract. Yeah, and they got 21 million coming off the books. After his next contract, season. Yeah, when his contract exactly. is up. So getting Alex to bring it sign, even if it's a $10 million deal, we
0: it's do certainly
3: it. doable. I, 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 I'm not, I mean, unless some team is going to blow my doors off, if the Edmonton Oilers are looking to get rid of, uh, you know,
0: Leon Connor, Dreisaitl.
3: Dreisaitl or <laughs> McDavid for whatever reason, I, and look, I know that. Alex Debrincat is not enough to get either of those guys. Of course, that's not. where the conversation begins for me with Debrincat. You're you're bringing me a franchise player, and we're giving you Debrincat in parts, right? Like
2: which you're not getting. No, we're absolutely not going to get that type of a player. No. with the level of first round pick you would get for Debrincat, because odds are you'd be trading him to a serious contender that's going to be p- picking in the back half of that first round anyway.
3: Exactly. To me, uh, you you sign Alex Debrincat as soon as you can give him what he's worth and he is the face of your franchise for the next, you know, whatever the next phase of Blackhawks is post Kane and Taves, then he's the face of it. And I'm yeah. very comfortable with that and again, look, there should be no untouchables ever cuz you know, if if <laughs> if you know, Artemi Panarin is one of those players in the league, if they said we'll give you McDavid for Panarin like okay, you're no longer untouchable. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's just the, the concept and There of is a difference is between
2: there is a difference between untouchable and they're actively shopping him, too. I do have to point that out.
3: Right. You're right about that. I just I just think like a lot of people are talking and, and Frank Saravelli in that cut kind of had the tone of like it sounded like the assumption is he'll be gone. No, I, I don't think I
2: cannot imagine
3: that. That right would be now. foolish. And that would be a huge PR disaster, too.
2: Well, not- yeah, especially considering the fact that you don't know for a certainty that Kane or Taves is going to be back after next season. Can you imagine a scenario where the only contract you're going to have on the books would be, De- uh, sorry, Seth Jones? That'd be insane. Yeah. Like, yeah, you got to clear decks and you got to make some serious moves here, but I'm not sure if trading away Alex DeBrinkit at this stage is really the right thing to do. I think that. You can make an argument. He will be an impact player on the next good Blackhawks team. And if that's the case, sign him. Do not trade him.
3: Yeah. And look, we have a lot of time to get into this conversation. I know it'll be a a major part of our offseason. But if I'm ready to move on from this last generation, man, like that's for me where the change is going to come is you just let a new generation of Hawks take over. And, you know, Kane and Taves, Maybe Taves retires and Kane goes and plays somewhere else. or for a, I, I'm not trying to get rid of either of them. Sure. But I think if you're trying to cut that clean slate that you mentioned, that's probably the way to do it. Just let the new leadership lead, bring in some new guys, bring in some new blood, and let the next generation start. And, yeah, you might have a couple lean years, but you know what? It's better than this middling at crap.
2: Right. Because this is
3: getting you nowhere.
2: Right. Do you have any issue with the other names that uh, Sarah Valley mentioned, Hegel uh, and Kubelik specifically?
3: Uh, well, no, I would trade Kubelik today. Like, I, well, I, I just, you know, yeah. There,
2: I, there's a catch to that, of course.
3: Yeah, I I, I I, don't I just don't love the guy. I don't think he's a difference maker. I think he's a nice goal scorer, good sniper, but I don't know. Right. I don't want to say he's a dime a dozen because. He's not. Abs- no. But no. I just don't think he's a difference maker. Right? I don't think he's going to be part of things when the Hawks are good again. And I think he's got I, I some. I just some don't see them value. getting a
2: big return for him, which is my issue. No, but if you it.
3: can get a second or a third for him, I would consider that. I yeah. you know, I, I think he sort of got to restock here at some point. Um I don't I just you're, you're right. You're not gonna get a huge return for him. But he just to me doesn't he just doesn't bring much for me. I don't know. Maybe I maybe I underappreciate him. I just most nights i barely notice him
2: he'll he'll end up being the next ryan hartman and we're going to be you know well, we're going mean, to look, look we're going to look
3: stupid he's put up big numbers before like there's no doubt yeah. about it like he's proven that he can score i just don't know what else he brings like but when he's not scoring what else does he do right and well, I
2: mean, sometimes that's all you need a guy to do Sure, is to score, but the problem is he doesn't score enough to justify
3: that. But if you're looking at realistic pieces that you can move that could bring you something of decent value, yeah. I think Kubelik is number one on that list. Of course, you could probably get more for Hagel, but Hagel's not a guy I'm really looking to move either.
2: That that contract is very valuable, only paying him $1.5 million a season for everything that he does for the Blackhawks, that's a that's a tough deal to let walk out the door, especially with some of the decisions you're going to have to make with the uh, cap space that you're going to have down the line. It's nice to have guys like Hagel to kind of bring that overall cap number down a little bit. Yeah,
3: he also mentioned Ryan Carpenter. That's a guy who makes a ton of sense to trade at the deadline.
2: Oh, that's the p- picture perfect. That's like the Matthias mark of this season. Like somebody needs a guy like that.
3: Every team needs a guy like that.
2: It's true. Yeah, definitely. And
3: so hopefully they can yeah, they can swing him for a, mid, a mid-round a mid pick. That'd be great. I'd, I'd be very yeah. happy with that.
2: I guess we should bring up Marc-Andre Fleury since, you know, that's kind of what kicked off the whole uh, Valley thing was talking about the possibility of trading Marc-Andre Fleury. And I know we've kind of brought that idea up, of course. I mean, he's another guy that makes a ton of sense to deal with the deadline. But it definitely sounds like the Blackhawks are going to be very – cautious in dealing him because they're going to want to make sure that it's a place that he wants to go. They're going to kind of treat him with kid gloves and rightfully so that dude has earned the right to, you know, say no to 10 teams. There's a reason for that. He's a really nice guy, a really good locker room guy. Like you, you don't want to trade him to a team and have him get pissed off and potentially retire. So I, I was fascinated by that part of it. And especially fascinated that Colorado could be a potential option. Good
3: God. That would be wild, man. Oh my God. They'd be so, I I think they were, they're my pick to win the cup. I believe this year. And I still stand by that. I know they haven't been quite what everybody thought they'd be, but once the playoffs start, that team's gonna be lethal. And if they can add a guy who's played as well as flurry and yeah, I know he got pulled tonight, but take a look back at the last month or so Guy's been absolutely insane. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean that just makes a powerhouse all the more powerful. And I don't know. I, I don't I don't really want to see him in the division uh playing for a team that strong. Um but it'd be only for half a season, yeah, they're though. They're not gonna win anything. And I, I I think to me, what you do is say, look, uh, here's what's on the table. We want to get the biggest return we can. We also want to do right by you because we appreciate you.
2: Please don't name one team.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, officially He has a list of 10. Right. But sort of the under the table thing that got him to play here in the first place was we will not trade you anywhere you don't want to go. Basically. Uh, Right. So um, they are a little bit limited in that way. But if he's going to want to go somewhere, it's going to be a contender. And to me, you just let this go as long as you can. Let the bidding war Mm -hmm. rage. He's going to be the top available player at the deadline. And look, if you're the Hawks and the team's going to give you a first and a prospect, you eat the rest of the salary. You take on the you take on all the salary you can to make that happen. Because who cares? I, I was
2: actually going to bring that up because I think Saravelli mentioned it that the Capitals are going to have a really difficult time kind of massaging that into their salary cap situation. Why on earth wouldn't the Blackhawks just eat half the salary and take on another player and be like, give us more? Yeah. Like that's. That's an easy fix as far as I'm concerned. You've got cap space to kind of mess around with. I would absolutely do that to improve the return.
3: Yeah, why not? I mean, you had you had the contract on the books anyway. Mhm. this year's lost. I mean, it's Yeah, I'm not
2: I'm not worried about saving cap money this year.
3: No, not at all. That is so,
2: not that is not even on my radar if, so. If,
3: if that's a sweetener to make it happen, I'm all for it. Who cares? Like, yeah, fine. Yeah, man. Pay the rest of his deal, whatever. I don't know what the official rule is, is how much of a contract you can take on. I thought it was 50%. Yeah, I think still. that's right. So do it, make it happen, make Flurry happy, and get the maximum return you can get. And uh, yeah, I think that makes all the sense in the world. And Look, I I was really excited to watch Marc-Andre Fleury play, and every time he's in the goal for the Hawks, I make sure that I appreciate it, you know, yep. because that is an all-time great wearing the uniform of the Hawks and playing at the top of his game, despite this game tonight. Um, yeah he's been really really great and he's been everything is advertised uh, on and off the ice and there's part of me that was like oh maybe they could you know sign him for another year or two yeah to me you've got him here trade him at the deadline maximize that return and you could start sort of maybe recoup one of those first round picks you lost for seth jones that to me is key get a first round pick back at least and i think that should be pretty doable for mark andre freaking flurry
2: I, I would agree with that. Uh, Jay, I know we're we're bumping up against needing to take a break here. We're going to take some listener questions. But when we come back, I have a little game for you to play. Oh, It's going to be – we. you just mentioned the Blackhawks getting draft picks and needing that to kind of start to restock the cupboard a little bit. We're going to play a game called how many Blackhawks players on their current roster have they actually drafted.
3: Oh, that sounds fun. All right, that's on the other side of this break on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast Thanks for tuning in We're sponsored by our friends at Fry the Coop and FrytheCoop.com The best damn Nashville hot chicken on the planet Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown Prospect Heights, Tinley Park And if you read the news, new location coming soon to Darien. Hell yeah. Out in the western burbs, you've got a Fry the Coop coming your way very, very soon. And you'll be very happy when that happens because Fry the Coop is awesome. It is one of my favorite places in the world. I love hot chicken. And to me, Fry the Coop is better than all the places in Nashville. I say that and I mean it. It's absolutely fantastic. So... Go check them out. Go visit them. Frythecoop.com. Check out their menu. Uh, you can dine in. They've got craft beer uh, to buy there. You can take it to go. The Tinley Park location and the Prospect Heights location both have drive throughs So you can just drive in, get your food fresh, and leave. It's fantastic. Anything you want at Frythecoop is going to be awesome. So check them out. Frythecoop.com. Make sure you tell all of our sponsors when you use them that the Madhouse Podcast sent you. Very, and very another uh,
2: buddy of mine go to Fry the Coop for the first time the other day said it was phenomenal. Took your advice on the uh, heat level, by the way. Oh, yeah. Very happy he did. It <laughs> level was very down. intense.
3: Yeah, whatever you think you can handle, go a notch down because it is spicy. That's for sure. Yep. All right, you had a trivia question for me of sorts. Before,
2: before the break, we were talking about the Blackhawks and how they need draft picks to restock the cupboard and to get some players in here. How, a, AJ, I'm going to ask you, how many members of the Blackhawks' current 23-man roster, how many of those guys have they actually drafted? And oh. then, as a bonus, I'm going to have you name the players that they have drafted.
3: Well, I'm just going to try to do it. I'm going to try to do that. So Kane, Taves, okay. obviously. Obviously, yes. We're drafted by the Hawks. Kirby Doc, Yes. Alex DeBrinkett. Yes. Yes um kubalik was a f- was a trade so no um, he was traded
2: from the la kings
3: yes um but kurashev
2: kurashev was indeed a draft pick
3: um Entwistle was a college free agent so that doesn't count
2: entwhistle was not a college free agent Whistle was a trade
3: oh, a tra- not Whistle. who am i talking-
2: Whistle was a tra- Whistle was a trade with the arizona coyotes that sent a marion
3: hosa yeah to that's arizona. right who was i thinking of oh I, I was looking at hardman i'm thinking of hardman i'm sorry um okay he, he was yeah. a college free agent correct i yep. believe that's it
2: that is literally it yeah <laughs> I honestly like I kind of was I was looking I was like wait Brent Brandon Hagel no Brandon nope. Hagel you remember who he was drafted by I don't the Buffalo Sabres in 2016 okay yeah uh Eric Gustafson also not drafted by the Blackhawks international you know an in Eric Gustafson no uh,
3: he was drafted he, yeah, but then he when he signed with the Hawks the first time, he was a free agent, He, he
2: signed as an ELC, yeah, because the team that drafted him let his rights last. I forget who it was. It was the Edmonton Oilers. Oh. He was taken in the 2012 draft.
3: Interesting. Well, not mm-hmm. a Hawk.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Eric Gustafson's a Hawk.
3: Not a Hawk pick, you jerk. Okay, there you go. You know I'm what good. I meant.
2: <laughs> but yes, it is, that is correct. They have drafted a whopping five players on their roster right now.
3: Well, that's uh, the that's Stan Bowman way, my friends. That's a spicy meatball. All right, let's get to some listener questions here before we wrap the show up. This one comes from Dave. He says, why is Jacob Galvez back down in Rockford and Gustafson still here? The kid was poised. Good hockey sense. Also time for Kalnick and Bodan to come up. If they're not going anywhere, time for young guys. Gustafson made no sense from the start. This is getting hard to watch. Get a GM or head of hockey ops. It's time. Doc looks, more, looks like a bust more and more each day. Sorry for the rant. Need a beer. Love the pod. This came, by the way, before the game. Or no, midway through the game. So Well,
2: well now with Riley Stillman banged up, we're probably going to see either more of Gustafson or we might get Galvis back up here.
3: I really liked what we saw. A couple things about your email, Dave. Galvis looked really good in his two games.
0: Hell yeah, he did.
3: It was two games. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to downplay it, but it's two games.
2: It was three, you idiot.
3: I also want to pump the brakes on calling Kirby Doc a bust. He turned okay. 21 today. He's got a lot of hockey to go. He needs some growth. He needs some development. That is without a doubt. Certainly needs to show more than he has. Do, did we all think he'd be further along than he is now? Yes. Yes. I'm not ready to call him a bust yet.
2: Look, I mean, the New York Rangers drafted Capo Caco, and what's he done? Yeah nothing and that That, was it's not like that draft class has been lighting the world on fire no and
3: that was a surefire first you know number two overall pick that year
2: exactly yes Uh, and I'm not saying that the Blackhawks didn't potentially mess the pick up I mean we all know who got picked the pick after him Mm -hmm. so so we don't have to go into that again yeah but no I think that I think on this podcast, we've been fairly critical of Kirby Doc and saying that he's not developing the way that he needs to develop. I think that we've made that abundantly clear, but I'm still not willing to fully label him bust and say, you know, get him out of town or whatever. I do think there's still a possibility he can blossom into a really strong top six center in this league. I think that that's, you know, a reasonable expectation of a third overall pick. But, yes, I completely agree with the point that he needs to show a lot more than he has. His development has not been going along fast enough. I know there's been a lot of adversity that he's had to deal with, a lot of injuries, a lot of yeah. you know, COVID, all that stuff. Coaching. All of that being said, he needs to do more.
3: Yeah. So I, I will meet you halfway, Dave, where I'm not going to call him a bust, but I, I think the ship has sailed on Elite.
2: Step it up, bro. Like, I, like I, yeah. I still think you can be a top six center and not be elite. Like, that's yeah. definitely and – and I honestly, at this point, I'll take it. I'll take anything that gets him to be a super better than useful NHL player. That's what I want from him. He needs to be better than useful if he's the number three overall pick. He needs but be, I also don't think he's going to be a top five center in the league.
3: No, he needs to be a perennial 50-point guy.
2: Yep, absolutely. Oh, yeah. my God. With his body size, he has to be. Like, that's – that he should be able to score twenty to twenty five goals, barely moving away from the crease. Yep, like like that's what he needs to do.
3: All right. Oh, and on the thing of the young players, I'm you know I've been saying all along, let the young guys play. And I think as we get closer to the deadline, you could see like Dahan get moved and some other veteran, maybe even Counter Murphy get moved. As well, you they just
2: re signed him, I don't know if he's leaving.
3: I don't know, but. I, I, my, my mind is let's let these young guys play and let's do an actual rebuild. You know, it's, it's, okay. it's, it's long past time. All right. This one comes from Tom. He says, do you guys think that Dale Talon should be re- considered for a role in the organization? The team that he built in Florida is reminiscent of the 2010 team here in terms of depth and a variety of skill sets. Always thought his issues were McDonough, not Rocky. If Davidson remains as GM, wouldn't mind seeing Dale as some sort of senior advisor he wasn't here when the Kyle Beach stuff happened, and the rumors of him making a racist comment were proven to be false. So he's clean from that aspect. Any thoughts? I'm just ready for something different. I I yeah. don't want to rehash the past. Nothing against Dale. I like Dale. I loved him as a broadcaster. I I just I, I just I want to move on. I want to move on to the next generation of Hawks, and and that's my take, James. I don't know how you feel about it, but.
2: I'm kind of the same. Like, I I know that I mentioned earlier that a lot of teams have already pulled the trigger on bringing in new team presidents, and you definitely need, especially with a GM potentially as young as Kyle Davidson, it would be nice to have a little bit more of an experienced hand at the wheel, I suppose, in that president's role. I also just would kind of like it to be somebody who... Has, of course, earned it, but not necessarily been around the block six or seven times either. And I think that if Dale Talon wants to get back into the NHL, I think by all means he should get another job somewhere. I'm just kind of over the rehash thing. Like, I'm just with Brandon Saad and Eric Gustafson. And I know it's not exactly the same to do that at the executive level, but just give me something new, man. Give me a fresh set of eyes in this organization somebody we don't know much about somebody who can kind of look at everything you know with an unbiased eye towards the future and somebody who's going to be here for five to ten years something i don't think i could say necessarily about dale talon this is going to be a long process and i would rather it be somebody who's going to kind of look at that with a fresh perspective and the eye of knowing that he's going to be here for quite a long time
3: yep i totally agree with you the hawks have always done the like guy who's been here forever it's very rare for the hawks to just go and bring in somebody else from outside it's always sort of been promotion from within even bowman i don't know people don't realize how long stan was here before he was named gm yeah. you know he, he'd been in the organization for a long time so i guess
2: you and i have spoke sort of favorably about potentially having uh eddie Olczyk take a job like that haven't
3: we i wouldn't be opposed to it i mean the guy's plugged in uh i know him (laughs) i have a good relationship with him which would be very beneficial for us um i you know so you know selfishly it would be great for us um but you know i i I think he would do a fine job i like that they're thinking outside the box a little bit i just don't want to go too far outside the box and do something that we look back in three years and be like what an idiotic thing to do you know,
2: like you don't want them to hire a Mike Mayock. Is that, that what you're right, saying? Well, yeah,
3: sometimes the sometimes the, the the best answer is the most obvious answer and you don't need to overthink it. But they're going to overthink everything right now because of what now, happened. they're though.
2: interviewing plenty of people. So I guess you could argue that they are doing that.
3: Yeah. I right, got one here from Martin. Uh, a bunch of questions here, Martin. So I'm just going to take uh, a couple. Uh, number one, which, if any, of the Pet Foley fill ins have you guys enjoyed?
2: I think Steven Nelson, I think, my my go to.
3: Yeah, Steven Nelson was my favorite as well. Uh, I like um, Olchek's son. I think he's done Mm. a pretty good job in the color role. Mm -hmm. Um, But in terms of a fully replacement, if I'm voting from the pool of people we've had so far, I like Steven Nelson. I think he's only done one or two, right?
2: He's only yeah he's only done maximum like two or three I think but he's also called you know World Junior Games like we're familiar with him as a hockey broadcaster and I do think that that would be a really solid choice if the Blackhawks decided to go in that direction so yeah I'd probably side with him.
3: I just want to say too like the fact that we've had so little Foley this year
2: that's such an annoying thing.
3: It's really made me appreciate. I mean, look, Pat Foley is a big part of the reason I ever got into broadcasting in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a, a lot of us kind of got like tired of the same old stuff over the last few years, but now that he's not there every night, it's like, wow, there is a massive drop-off between him and everybody, and they just don't make announcers like that anymore. You know, Pat is Pat's one of a kind, and he'll be impossible to replace. You're not yeah. going to find the next Pat Foley. They just don't exist. So I, I my votes for Steven Nelson of the crew they have so far. Um I think everyone's done a decent job. But it's Yeah, just, I
2: haven't had any knocks yeah. on the play by play guys that they've They're used. They're just not
3: not a lot of them are blowing me out of the water. That's all.
2: I and I think that expecting them to like I think we've been spoiled with Adam Amin coming in to call Bulls games and Jason Benetti doing White Sox games that's really rare to get that high quality of an announcer to replace a legend and the fact that the Bulls and the White Sox have both been able to do it is kind of crazy
3: well I think Steven Nelson fits that mold I think he would, I think,
2: I think Nelson's awesome. And if he wants to do it, I think that would be a really solid. Arc. I know I've been definitely on the John Wideman bandwagon, but I'm definitely getting the vibe that he's staying on radio. I,
3: he's just so great for radio. He you is. know, I love John. I If he, if he got the job, I'd be thrilled, but I just think he's such a great fit on radio. I just think he's so good at it. Yeah. Um, all right. The other one he mentioned, uh, he asked about Eddie, which we just sort of addressed. Um, he wanted to ask about the broadcast. He said, I won't complain about the ESPN Plus exclusivity for games because I appreciate having access to the out-of-market games. I understand the long-term implications of streaming and why the exclusivity sucks, but so few games have actually been televised on the ESPN network this year. Aside from Wednesday night TNT games, it feels like the NHL has much less of a national television presence this year compared to years with NBC and NBCSN. Do you see that as a problem at all for the game? I noticed that too. And they're very rarely actually on ESPN. Mm -hmm. Like, if you, like, they're all on ESPN Plus, you'll get your occasional ESPN game. But.
2: Well, yeah, the Abs and the Kings were on the other night.
3: But it's just not as frequent as I had hoped for them to be on the actual ESPN channel. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I don't know, I, I, I still think them being a part of the ESPN family is good for the game because they're on SportsCenter more, they're getting covered more, they're getting talked about more, et cetera. So I still think overall it's a good thing.
2: Oh, and I think that the deal to have all of the out-of-market games on ESPN+, Plus, I thought, was – extremely savvy. That's a really good brand to be a part of. And it's really generated a lot of awareness for a lot of leagues. I feel like in the NHL just needs to continue to broaden its audience. And I think that getting those streamer, the streaming services involved in it is really important. By the way, I did want to point out the Blackhawks are on TNT the next two Wednesdays in case you were curious about that. They're playing the Red Wings and the wild on TNT. So I, definitely think that there are downsides to how little they are on on actual cable tv but i also think that the the benefit of having that coverage on ESPN and the fact that so many of the games are on ESPN Plus and on Hulu i think is really good for the league overall and i think that we're going to eventually start to see some of the rewards of that and hey if the more people that tune into these ESPN Plus broadcasts the more likely it is ESPN's going to put games on television i think that people are going to vote with
3: their eyeballs like that's ultimately what it's going to boil down to Definitely. Okay. Um, two more. Got one here from Marty. He says, who are the prospects from the past decade that you swore were going to become NHL regulars, but never did for Marty. It was Klaus Dahlbeck who he was convinced would be the next Nicholas Jalmerson for no good reason. Also <laughs> shout out to Marco Dano.
2: Ah, yes, that I was actually going to bring up Marco Dano guy was so con- I was really convinced he was going to be
3: good. <laughs> that was mine too. Yeah, he remember he, at the time he was the key to that trade. Yep, it's like well they, they got Daniel and that means you know that's a, that's a good trade because he's going to be a stud. Nope, no, <laughs> not no, so much, sir. All right, I yo, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say
2: he definitely qualified in that way. The uh, draft pick that I definitely thought was going to pan out and obviously really hasn't. Definitely Ian Mitchell. I thought we'd be seeing him a lot more often by now, and it doesn't really seem like that's the uh, trend that we're seeing. Uh, also do have to uh, give a shout-out to my guy. He's still my guy. Can I get some Evan Barrett up here eventually? Like, it's been almost five years since he's been drafted, and he has not uh, pulled on a Blackhawk sweater for a regular season game. I thought that he was going to be – a really solid second or third line center for this team. He could do a lot of little things well when I saw him playing at the junior ranks. And it's not like he's had a bad college. He didn't have a bad college career, but he just come on, man. I want to see him in the NHL. I want to see if I'm ever going to be right about something. Yeah, <laughs> you've been
3: right about some things. That's fair. <laughs> if I'm ever going to be right about something. Well, it
2: just I feel like such a failure looking at precious Evan Barrett.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's your guy. Yeah, well, always has been. All right, we got one more here. Um, he says, Jay, I am 100% in agreement with you. I listened to a very particular part of the last podcast about 15 times in a row. James clearly says he's going to sext your wife. <laughs> See, I was not crazy. You definitely said sext.
0: Uh, <laughs> I've been well, watching Jay, her Jay, phone. I took,
2: your, I took your wife to the... Uh, the uh con- the Casey Musgrave show last okay. night you just didn't realize it yeah
3: you were that was you huh in the Stealth pink cowboy hat next to us
2: <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. My evil plan has finally been exposed. Yeah,
3: you didn't mean to say it, but you said it. You definitely said sexed.
2: Which is odd. I don't think I've ever used that term in conversation in my entire life. It's very odd that I would Freudian slip into it now.
3: Yeah, you definitely said it. Go back and listen to the last podcast, everybody, and, and <laughs>
2: Rack you, up
0: the team. Judge
3: for yourself. Alright, thanks <laughs> for joining us. Uh Hawks again, Hawks and Wild again tomorrow on Saturday so hopefully it's better than it was on Friday night we always appreciate you guys tuning in make sure you check out everything we got going on our social media Twitter at Madhouse Pod on Twitter and Madhouse underscore pod on Instagram and anything Madhouse Podcast lives in that Linktree bio in our social media pages so click that to find pretty much everything we do. For my partner James Naveau, I'm Jay Zawoski we'll talk to you next time on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast
1: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, and by the Sits-In-Law Group.
0: I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.